This is the Engaging Mobility Podcast, where we discuss topics related to transportation and aging, and consider the intersection of longevity and the social need for being able to move around in our communities. I'm Terry Cassidy, and I co-host this podcast with Susie Tichinski. We are so glad you've joined us today. Hi, everyone. It's Terry Cassidy, and I am here with Susie Tichinski. The two of us are going to talk to you all today about the generalist resource to integrate driving. Just a little bit of background. The GRID is a clinical tool for occupational therapy practitioners that was developed by Susie and myself and Dr. Ann Dickerson at East Carolina University. We will talk about how we use it and why we use it, and then also give you resources for where you can find it. So just a little bit of background. Um, this is really a tool developed to help occupational therapy practitioners who are increasingly being asked to make decisions about their clients' potential to return to driving, their ability to drive given whatever medical or other situation they've gone through and the reason they're seeing OT right now. So this was put together based on a variety of skills that OTs are commonly assessing anyway, and really some information about how those skills relate to driving. And it was really developed for the generalist occupational therapist. So we've got um, tools in here that are commonly used. And really the goal is that this could be used at any level of care. It could be used in acute care, could be used in a rehab facility, and then certainly outpatient or in the community. And we will talk a little bit about how you would look at the scores a little bit differently depending on your setting. Susie, would you get us started by just describing what the grid looks like for those of you that are not gonna have it in front of you while we talk. Yeah, absolutely. So the grid itself is, it's a chart and it's nice because it's on a single page by itself. Um, it's a resource that is free and in the public domain. You'll be able to download your copy at adaptivemobility.thinkific.com. We'll review that a couple different times. When you download the resource itself, it actually comes with some general background information, as well as some directions on how to use the grid and then the grid itself. So if you can kind of imagine, you know, you take your paper, you turn it landscape, you've got the, um, the grid laid out before you. The components of the grid, the first column on there gets at the client factors. And so in the world of occupational therapy, we talk about client factors and performance skills. And so this is really based on um, our OT practice framework and takes our OT practice framework and integrates the idea of the OT drive model. So I wanna back up really quick before I dive into the, the different columns, but the OT drive model was first published and shared by um, Alan Scholl Davis and Dr. Ann Dickerson I believe in 2017, OT practice. If I'm wrong, please correct me. It was either 17 or 16. Um, but this is this is our really our first model of practice for OT's role with driving, believe it or not. And it takes the idea 
that driving is an essential activity of daily living. It's something, you know, being able to move around our community is important for health and helps OTs to think about the activity or the occupation of driving in terms of, is the person able to do it? Are they at a high risk to engage in this activity? Are they at some kind of level of risk, which might be the yellow, or are they low risk, which would be the green? So the grid takes this similar model of high risk, red, level of risk, yellow, and green. Um, and you're gonna see that when you open it up. So th the idea is to kind of help visualize where somebody's falling across these red, yellow, and green categories to help guide clinical decision-making. So when you get to the grid, the first column is client factors. Um, you know, and we included the major factors to consider when assessing somebody for fitness to drive or thinking about their driving risk. Um, of course, these are not all of the possible client factors that exist, um, but there were specific ones that we felt were most relevant. So the first thing you'll see on there are things like seizures or crash risk or falls. And then we went into more commonly um, uh, client factors that you might think about more commonly for driving, such as visual skills, cognitive skills, and motor skills. The next column is the contextual column. And this really goes into kind of the considerations for each of the performance factors. Um, so for example, you know, one of the, the categories is vision with distance visual acuity being under there. And the contextual factor, we're going to go into conversation around, you know, most states have a licensing requirement around visual acuity for distance. So helping you think about that. Then as you move to the right, you'll hit the categories of the green, yellow, or red. And what we did was we gave you, we gave the occupational therapist scores that they could use to kind of help decide is somebody falling into the green category, yellow category, or red category. So sticking to the idea of vision, which I think is a pretty easy one, you know, if somebody has visual acuity of 2020, in most cases from 2020 to 2040, they would fall in the green category. They've got the distance visual acuity generally needed for driving. If they're falling in the range of 2050 to 2070, they're going to be in the yellow category. And then we have the red category is vision is clearly impacting ADLs and IADLs. So just to kind of describe this, it's the idea that you're going to be able to do a different screening test, take the information, and then kind of check, check mark off across the green, yellow, or red category. Now, I think what's interesting to kind of point out, and sorry if I'm jumping ahead on you, Terry. <laughs> you're good. Is as, you know, so Terry and I are both occupational therapists and specialists in driving. And so we have a little bit of a different lens. And some of these tests and measures do cross over into our specialist world, right? And that's actually really great because if the generalist can help complete that, it just gives us great information for collaboration. Um, but, you know, so in the world of the specialist, when we look at something like the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, many of us already have a score in our head or a measurement we think about for mm, risk with driving or less risk for driving. And so, for example, one a score you might typically hear for that would be around 26. But we don't want the generalist to just think about the number. And so when we talked about creating this yellow range, this middle range, we widened it up so that instead of it being 26 is kind of the yellow, it becomes 25, I'm sorry, 16 to 26, widening it up 
so that it opens up the range of possibility for the potential driver. And the idea behind that is we didn't want the generalist to screen too many people out or screen too many people in, but to kind of hit that sweet spot of the people in the middle. Um, and as you look at this grid, so the idea is as you kind of go through each of the categories, you're going to get a pattern of somebody, are they performing generally in the green zone, yellow zone, or red zone? And then based on that, if they're green, refer back to the physician for clearance to drive. Yellow, most likely refer to the specialist. And then red, if it's something we can't rehab, remediate, recover, modify, it's something progressive, then we're most likely looking at transition from driver to passenger. So that was a lot of information without ever seeing the chart. I hope when you look at it, you go, oh, wow, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly how it's described. The one thing I'll say is when you look at the chart the first time, you're going to notice there's lots of different tests and measures underneath there. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to pass this to you, Terry, to talk about, you know, how do you pick and choose? Do you have to do everything on the grid? Good question. And I recently shared this grid with a bunch of therapists and got a bunch of questions back. <laughs> so this, this is fitting for that. Um, there are things on here that would traditionally be a part of a occupational therapy evalu evaluation in almost any setting. Like Susie talked about vision, their strength, range of motion, sensation, things that we are typically taking into consideration. Some of the other assessments on here may require equipment that um, you don't have, like break reaction time is one of the things that's listed on the grid. And that's something that somebody had just emailed me about and said, is there an alternative? Is there something else we can do for that in particular? And so I would say as you go through the grid, you don't have to do every single assessment on there. We do want to make sure that you're touching on each of the categories. So making sure under physical skills, there's going to be multiple areas. Um, if you don't have a standardized way to test break reaction time, there are certainly other methods you could use to look at lower extremity coordination, for example. Um, we chose to put break reaction time on here because there are some norms around it and it is standardly used or pretty often used with driver rehab specialists. But giving some information in terms of what you've seen clinically wouldn't necessarily fit into a column on the grid, but that additional information is super helpful if you are passing this along to the next level of care or certainly to a specialist. I would say that's especially true under the section of cognitive and perceptual skills. Um, there's a section, you know, we have scoring ranges based on the results of the assessment and motor process skills, for example. And um, you do need to be certified to administer that assessment. <clears throat> and as well as the BCAT and the MOCA are also on there. Again, because there's research linking those to driving and because they are commonly used. However, if you're using a different assessment, we still would love to see those results. It just doesn't fit into the categories on the grid as we have them right, right there. Would you agree, Suze? Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I think the other question I get a lot is, oh my goodness, do I do every single one of these cognitive tests? 
No, you can, like Terry's saying, you can kind of pick and you can choose, which is really great as well. Um, and we did, we will, I know there was a lot of discussion around which cognitive tests to include or not to include. Um, and so there is some researcher uh, bias and favorites on here, <laughs> including the AMPs um, and the, the BCAT. Um, but, you know, you don't see things like the short blessed or the slums. It doesn't mean that those aren't um, valuable, at least for screening memory components, but um, we're looking for things that can kind of push different areas of divided attention and executive functioning and processing. Um, now, Terry, you started into something that I think is so important and one of the major motivators I know, at least for me with the grid, is the idea of sharing this information with the specialist. Um, I, I've been really excited because I think that this has been a nice roadmap for collaboration. Um, you know, it has led to some really great conversations. So I would say if you're a practitioner out there who doesn't typically address driving in your scope, or, you know, driving in your practice, and you're thinking, oh, I keep hearing this is in my scope, maybe I should give this a try. I think this tool can help give you information and it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to be complete, but it's helpful. You know, for example, I had somebody call me, I had a gentleman, her client, uh, the OT who called her client, um, had a stroke and it affected his vision. And so she's saying, Susie, you know, his motor skills are awesome. He can walk and he can move just fine. Cognitive skills, um, his, you know, his memory and executive function seem to be pretty well intact, but my goodness, he has a huge, what appears to be a huge left field cut. Right. And, you know, so that's impacting his perception and some other things. And so in that scenario, she didn't do everything on this, this, this grid. She really didn't have to. We knew this step was he really needs to get to an ophthalmologist to have that evaluated and looked at before we can go further. And what's kind of great is like, so in that scenario, he wouldn't meet the state requirements. So you might think he's a red, but really we've got it where you can check him off as a yellow with the idea being like, if it's result, if it could resolve or it could be improved maybe it's still valuable to go to the specialist. And interestingly enough for this gentleman, we're, um, I've partnered with the ophthalmologist and they are going to send me his um, visual fields every three months, which will be kind of great just because they have seen some progression and change. And so they're excited for that piece. Um, but our state's pretty, pretty strict about visual fields, continuous fields. And so he's got to wait right now, but there's potential. That is exciting. And I think that's, a great point about this isn't just a static document that you are capturing how this person is the days that you do this evaluation, but I think it can be a great education tool for our clients. So let's say we are seeing someone pretty soon after stroke or brain injury or something acute. It's still worth going through these, even if a lot of them are in the yellow and red category. Also, as a clinician, you know they're really not ready to go back to driving yet, but I think driving is such an important goal for our clients that giving them a pathway of, oh, I really, you know, to the extent that they can change their visual fields, but in terms of some of these other things, I really need to work on even ankle range of motion, for example. Um, we actually just had a client the other day who came in six months post-stroke using an AFO. And we did not even take him out in the car because he did not have plantar dorsiflexion. And his wife is sitting there saying, 
no, the physical therapist gave you those exercises and talked to you about doing those exercises every time. And so we started talking to him about alternatives, about um, hand controls or left foot accelerator, like what other options do we have? And he was like, nope, I wanna give this a try with my right foot first. Let me go back, work on those exercises for real now, cause I see what they could impact and then see you again in a couple months and decide. So just as an example, this having been, had this been done earlier, it would have saved him honestly saved him the trip to see us, but maybe motivated him to start those exercises a little bit earlier in his process. Right. Understood the connection there between the two. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Um, I, I just got similar feedback from an awesome OT, Abby out in Utah today. She said, I love this resource because I pull it out. I have it printed on color. I pull it out. She actually, I, um, she said she'll check through and go through with her patients and their families. And it's just such a nice visual and with where she is in her, you know, the th- her clinic, there is therapy after her, right? So she talks about the potential down the road and where things can go from there, which is really great. Um, one of the things I like to point out also on here, when you guys take a look at it is, you know, we have the categories of physical skills, visual skills, and cognitive perceptual Um, I think in hindsight, I'd almost rather reorganize it where if you're kind of going top to bottom, it would go visual skills, cognitive skills, motor skills. Um, One of the biggest pieces I think to really keep in mind is that a specialist, we have all kinds of tricks and equipment out there. And if someone's vision is intact and they've got cognition and potential for learning, we can help to overcome almost any physical challenge that's in front of somebody. Um, so keep that in mind. It's kind of amazing. So, you know, Terry, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on with that gentleman. Um, but like, you know, if he had progressive right foot drop, right. And it didn't come back, maybe ultimately then he'd be a candidate for a left foot accelerator. Right. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's interesting. There's so much potential out there. And I think, um, the other thing I really love is that I truly see this as occupational therapy practitioners, embrace this as part of the plan of care, become more comfortable with starting the conversation, begin looking at some of these performance skills we use for driving, but for so many other things as well. Um, People are getting to me as a specialist at the right time. They're not getting to me too late. They're not getting to me too early. And I love that um, because there's only so much screening you can do over the phone. And you love to see people use their resource as well. And so it's just a, um, you know, a nice bonus that people now have a tool they can integrate and use and really help to get people to the right place at the right time. And along those lines, Susie, I know that some of the questions that we get are around licensing decisions. Should I be using the grid as a generalist practitioner to give my client a definite answer about driving? What would you say to that? Um, Have you seen the task of driving? Then probably not. (laughs) So I think, you know, so let's take out the clear cut cases. Let's take out dementia where it's progressive and things are changing. Okay, those situations, I believe practitioners, the, the, the primary therapist, we play a huge role in supporting transition of life roles and safety, right? And typically for those people who are advancing dementia, they need to transition from driving and we're talking about home safety issues and et cetera. 
but other people where there's potential don't feel as the, as the primary practitioner that you're the person who has to make this decision. One, we don't know if they've fully recovered yet, right? Two, we don't know what, what opportunities are available to them, what technology could be out there. Um, you know, I say use it to start the conversation and don't feel like you're the only person who has to, to give that answer either. You're gathering information, you're sharing what you can find, you're using objectivity where you can. And you're now providing, you're being a resource, right? Which is really, really great because with that information and education, you can empower your patients and their families to make choices that are right for them and to maybe stay motivated in therapy a little bit longer. That makes so much sense. And I do feel like a lot of the reason that Susie and I and Anne were excited to get a lot of this information down and and get it out to other practitioners it's because we have spent years talking to practitioners who are pretty hesitant to address driving. Feel like, oh, I don't know if I wanna bring it up if I don't have all the answers. Or feel like, well, if I do this test, I don't actually know what to tell them based on their, their result on that test. And so really, just like Susie said, this is a resource. This is to get people a little more comfortable and give them some more structure around kind of addressing driving, but I would agree that it does not need to be something that means you're making a decision about driving. You're giving your client opportunities to practice certain skills and organize your own thinking around driving so that you can pass that off to the next level of care. Yeah, that's huge. Um, Just to help out, I would say to reinforce where you can find this resource, um, it is on my company's website. I run um, education, so but it's it's free. It's a free resource. I just want you to kind of know where it was if you went there and you thought, where am I? <laughs> it's um, at adaptivemobility.thinkific.com, um, and we can put that in the show notes as well. Um, just it is a free resource. Go ahead and click on it. It comes with a 15 minute video. We do ask that you please watch the video, and then you'll be allowed to download the resource. Um, And the other thing that we provide, you know, as you start this out and you try it, you know, I know Terry and I both are constantly answering questions from practitioners. So don't hesitate to reach out, but another great forum for OTs, um, OT specialists, students, assistants is a Facebook group that I run called driving rehab for the OT. We've kept it private. So it's just for OTs. It's not monetized. It's there just to gain information, to share resources and to have positive conversations. So I know some people say, oh gosh, I'd hate to email you directly. We'll post it in the group. You might get some feedback and you might get it even faster. (laughs) That's a fantastic suggestion and good reminder for all of us, because there's a lot of, a lot of therapists out there with things to share. So I think having a group like that is, um, super helpful and timely. (laughs) So that's really, really a great suggestion. Thank you so much, Suze, for joining me for this shorter episode today. And um, please, everybody reach out to us or to the Facebook group with questions about the grid. And I'll say, if you're not an occupational therapist or practitioner, you can also reach out to um, myself or Terry through Facebook or LinkedIn as well. We have those resources too for you guys. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Mobility Podcast. You can find links for further reading on the website, healthpromotionpartners.com. 
I want to thank the Colorado Department of Transportation for their support of this podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Terry Cassidy. I have a doctorate in occupational therapy, and I'm a certified driver rehabilitation specialist. As the owner of Health Promotion Partners, I help clients stay active in their community and make healthy decisions about transportation and aging in place. Susie Tichinski is an occupational therapist and certified driver rehab specialist. She is the owner of Adaptive Mobility, which provides driver rehab services as well as education for practitioners seeking to become driver rehab specialists. Learn more at adaptivemobility.com or through her Facebook group, Driving Rehab for the OT.